Welcome to the C21 Podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Today we hear from GRB Studios' Gary Arbenz and Media Ranch's Sophie Ferron about the merger of their distribution businesses ahead of MIPCOM. Crayola's Victoria Lozano on the company's launch of its own content studio and Yellow Film and TV's Ollie Hiker on how the Arctic Circle producer is navigating testing times at home and abroad. LA-based producer and distributor GRB Studios and Montreal-based distributor and formats incubator Media Ranch merged their distribution businesses under a new joint venture last month. GRB Media Ranch has a combined catalogue of more than 5,000 hours of factual, unscripted and scripted programming as well as formats, while the merger doesn't include the company's production and creative businesses which remain independent of one another. GRB Studios Chief Executive Gary R. Benz and Media Ranch Chief Executive Sophie Ferron spoke to Jordan Pinto about consolidation within the distribution space and why combining their respective outfits ahead of MIPCOM will allow them to better meet the need of buyers and more effectively compete in a fast-changing market. Gary and Sophie, uh, thanks very much for joining me. Uh, how are you both doing today? Doing great, thanks. Nice to meet yeah. you again. Wonderful. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. So, um, so my first question would be, um, why was now the right time to execute uh, the, the merger of these two distribution teams? Well, it, you know, I started GRB, you know, 37 years ago and have enjoyed being an independent uh, for all those years. Um, and uh, I've met Sophie uh, well over a decade ago. Um, and, you know, we talked about doing some projects together. We ventured uh, in with a few projects. Uh, but I was always impressed by her tenacity and her professionalism and the fact that she had really focused, I think she's third generation uh, media child, if I'm not mistaken, uh, And but she really focused on formats. And even though I've been a producer and a distributor for all 37 years, formats was never our strong suit. And, it, and even though I knew in the international business that, boy, you have a good format, you know, a catalog that is a great way to make you know terrific business. So um, <clears throat> when in the last few months, you know, when we started talking seriously about doing this joint venture together, it seemed to me um, that it was the perfect time to do so because we need to compete stronger against the, the big giant companies and to have more offerings, a balance of formats and ready-made just made us much more appealing. We're uh, the, I mean, I think we're the only independent left in each of our fields. I mean, in, in the format uh, distribution and creation, we're like one of the few remaining independents. And Gary is also in his distribution of finished tapes. So it all makes sense to work together on this because, you know, like Gary said, we've known each other for a very long time. And the DNA of our companies are like, they are very, very similar. Always very easy to work with Gary and his team even our company's uh colors are the same so it all made sense and it all fl- it all went super quickly and flawlessly so that's a sign that you know it was meant to be um c- can you provide a bit of kind of you know business context on on the backdrop for for this this um this decision to merge the, di- the distribution businesses um obviously you know it kind of goes without saying that we're operating in a highly comp- you know ultra competitive landscape um you also mentioned there that you know this is a this is or the goal of this is to be able to com- better compete with some of the some of the distribution giants out there um but yeah m- 
maybe I'll, I'll just put it to you um, to talk about it in your own words. Well, I would say it's also to better offer our clients. It's it's also because our clients are going through changes as well. A lot of these big uh, mergers have uh, like buyers uh, looking all over the place and scaling down as well. New lands, the landscape has new streamers, new services all over popping up. So we are there together off, uh, offering a better catalog, a better solution, one-stop shop to the clients. So that made sense to us to partner because, I mean, the buyers are scrambling and are popping up everywhere and or are scaling down. So they have less resources on their side. So we need to scale up a bit because we need to help them with their with their needs. Yeah. And to Sophie's point uh, that the, the buyers are experiencing difficulties as well because of the mass diversification of channels and, uh, you know, and streaming services and things. So, so many times now buyers, they don't have specific ones just for formats, specific ones just for ready-mades. It's one person has to do all of that. So if they come to our stand and we're able to consolidate our, you know, expenses to be a distributor at MIP and MIPCOM and then the big markets, uh, for us to all be together in a stand and to be able to present both uh, um, scripted, unscripted, ready-mades and formats, you know, both paper and established ones, it just gives us uh, access to all the types of business that we would want to put forth. And our expertise is pretty deep, you know, runs deep in terms of formats. We're like very good in format sales, obviously in creations, creation, but also on the finished tape side and the co-production, you know, Gary's team as well is very strong. So we're also coming with a lot of expertise that is a big uh, help for the buyer that actually sometimes needs to cover more than one channel as well. It's obviously a, it's a very interesting time um, in this industry. I think for, for about a year, we've seen that there's a there's been a kind of commissioning downturn. And then clearly we have the we have the strike as well. Um, so there's there's less there's less new product out there. Um, on, on the distribution side, what, what are you seeing? Like, is, is this almost an opportunity for you with such a large catalog to, um, you know, in, in, a, in a time when there's maybe a scarcity or less new product than there has been in the past? Is this an opportunity for companies with uh, with large catalogs? Uh, and you know, you guys now have kind of have doubled up on your catalog, uh, as it were. I, I think so, but there is a world outside of the U.S. I just want to I just want to make sh- sure that we are aware. And for us, I mean, uh, most of our business is outside of the U.S. Obviously, we have a lot of business in the U.S., but most of it is outside of the U.S. So uh, business is still happening over there, and uh, but the needs are still there. But uh, obviously, the strike does affect us in a way and does affect the Finnish programs because the U.S. Uh, Finnish programs are also very much in demand all over the world. So, yes, there is like a little situation here, but you know, COVID was huge. Huge as well. So I, I think after COVID, I don't think a strike, I mean, it will make things more challenging, but or interesting, I, I rather say, because we need to, to be more creative as we are now together. Um, but I think that, I mean, after COVID, I don't think any other big challenge can hurt us. I don't know, Gary, if you want to yeah. Well, no, I, I agree. And I think, you know, it, it, COVID did last, you know, uh, two plus years and it affected all of our activities and businesses. And uh, and I think, you know, and, and my hearts go out to, you know, all the striking, you know, actors and, and the writers and such. As an unscripted company, almost all of our product is, um, you, 
know, uh, done with uh, without the union personnel. So we're able to keep producing and developing and and selling. And as you said, Jordan, it it's become much tougher for a lot of the commissioning networks, you know, to buy more programming, you know, because of cost constraints and lower ratings. You know, again, with the diversification and proliferation of new channels their ratings are often, you know, cut in half, you know, so that really lowers their ad revenue and the amount of money they're able to put toward it. Um, But they do need new programming because that's what attracts new viewers. And in this time right now where the studios aren't able to come through with their typical, you know, high end, you know, wonderful Hollywood, you know, type of um, scripted shows, there is a far greater need for programming internationally. And we intend to do everything we can to help uh, meet those needs. What, what do you feel the formation of GRB Media Ranch, what does it allow you to do that you that you weren't able to do before? Again, Sophie and her team uh, are so uh, experienced and well-respected in the international business, um, uh, again, with a, fo- uh, uh, with a focus on formats, but also with experience with uh, ready-mades. We have had a deep, you know, uh, again, 30-plus years of experience selling ready-mades to almost every country out there. So the fact that we have more experienced salespeople with more uh, offerings and more genres of programming, it uh, it makes it more important for all the buyers to make sure that they see what what our latest catalog consists of. I agree. I have nothing to add, basically, because it's all there. You see, yeah. that's mm-hmm. what having a great partner. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of how things are changing, when you think about the the buyers that you're actually selling to, um, as we as we head into say that you know MIPCOM in October, do you find that the mix of you know maybe you're selling uh, programs to uh, could be able platforms, fast, um, other kind of new emerging digital platforms, and then obviously you still have the the linear and the and the SBOD, um, you know the kind of more traditional sales. Is, is the programming, is the sales mix changing for you or do you think it'll be, will it be, for example, will this year's MIPCOM, do you think the sales mix will be similar to last year's? That's a very good question. I mean, in terms of, I mean, I can re- only compare to formats. Uh, I think uh, it, uh, there won't be a, a lot of changes for us. I don't think so. Other than in the States, a lot of our formats cannot be produced, even though it's unscripted. The big shiny floor shows, the big network shows that are in the pipeline that we have right now. So for us, we don't see a lot of U.S. Uh, sales for us but in terms of formats. We see, though, we expect a big bump for our unscripted formats at the end of this uh, of the of the strike because they will need quick turnaround formats. They will need something to put quickly on air and start production on. So we foresee that right now at MIPCOM, I don't see a big difference with previous years in terms of formats. I cannot do, I cannot address the finish tape at all. Yeah, well, I, I agree with what Sophie's saying, but uh, I would also add that with you know so many different types of uh, um, streaming services and fast channels and uh, linear uh, offerings, there it's complicated. It's, it's it gets more and more complicated every year with the windowing. I mean, how do you address these uh, uh, 
you know, your sales and what sequence do you do it in to make sure that you're maximizing the revenue and getting it to, you know, to the right buyers in the, in the right uh, time. So it's uh, it's something that uh, takes a lot of work to keep up on. Um, Sophie, just a, a follow-up question on something you said there about um, formats, maybe uh, toward the tail end of the strike or when the strike ends, um, mm-hmm. buyers looking to kind of have formats then they can put quickly into production. Um, why do you think they're not doing that currently when we kind of know the strike's going on? What, why do you think it will, um, why do you think it'll happen at the end of the strike? I'm not saying that it's not happening right now. I'm just mm-hmm. saying because in the US, uh, typically they don't pay for options. It's the only territory in the world, and I can say this, they don't pay for options. So the only money comes in when it's commissioned in production or when they commission a pilot. So right now, um, most of our big shiny floor shows and all, one of, we have one that I cannot d- discuss, but we have one pilot that has been postponed due to the strike for optic reasons. So I'm just saying that, um, yeah, so I hope that, that answers your question. It does, Did yes. I, um, I, th- I think one of the reasons that, that this, uh, the combination of your distribution business was businesses was interesting um, is that we've we've seen recently some more kind of straight ahead acquisitions um, like Blue Ant, Blue Ant Media, recently acquired uh, Marble Media, but that also included kind of acquiring um, uh, Distribution 360, their distribution arm. Um, I think over the past, we recently saw the close of the um, Banerjee's acquisition acquisition of uh, Beyond. Um, Also Blue Ant, I suppose, uh, acquired Drive about about, uh, last June as well. Um, Am am I right in thinking that the consolidation in the distribution space is accelerating? Um, And if so, um, what do you think is causing that? Uh, well, is it uh, speeding up? Uh, I don't know if it's speeding up, but it has been happening over the last few years. You know, we just need to think of Discovery and uh, uh, Discovery and Warner's and you know Fox and uh, Disney and all all of that. So it, it has has been happening. But why is it happening? I think that when you're huge like our competitors, sometimes when you have pitched all your catalog, you need new fresh uh, product. So the easiest way to grow is through acquisitions. That's a quick and that's easy having said that i'm not so so that's their that's their strategy because they can afford that strategy and because they want quick uh catalog and also they're buying out the competition right so we are the only ones basically we're not that many that are they're still remaining independent so uh for us we decided to come together instead of being acquired by a group or being acquired by one of the like media range being acquired by grb or the other way around so it made sense to partner because i think we are both needed in this in this joint venture uh, and i would also add to that uh, that both sophie and i have always been highly entrepreneurial and in, in, in our approach to business and i think while there has been a huge consolidation it came at a great cost uh, you know so that a lot of debt was taken on and uh, and it does. It may add some revenue, you know, to the you know to the bottom line there. But uh, in terms of profitability, we we wait and we see as uh, as all the streamers have been uh, struggling with that. But I think one of the advantages that you know when you take a media ranch and a GRB and you uh, put them together is that we can respond very quickly to our buyers' needs and and help them where and listen you know to them specifically and look for ways 
ways that we can address the type of programming you know needs that they may have so that uh, their their channels can keep evolving and, and moving with the trends because the, all the media business uh, from both a producer sta standpoint as well as a consumer standpoint changes so fast these days and in, in to be nimble is a huge advantage and I think that uh, our independence gives us greater uh, ability to do that and I think that's why the buyers come to us as well because we're flexible and we care I mean I don't say that our competitors don't care but we know every title in our catalog because it's our own company and if we do stand by a title we put money towards it so we won't pick up a title that we don't feel that we can sell so you know every your title is really showcased in our catalog it's not lost in the back catalog yeah um it might be a little too early for this but are there any um, projects that you'll be putting uh, you know a push behind heading into MIPCOM? We can't announce yet, but we have a lot to we lot a lot to share because we've got stories. <laughs> um, when you look um, two 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 or three years down the road, um, what are some of the long term goals and ambitions for the um, for this combined uh, joint venture company? You know, good question, and I think that uh, what we look to enjoy is you know growing the business, having a um, a larger presence both internationally as well as in North America. You know. So uh, GRB's done hundreds of hours in Canada, but now, you know, having uh, our partner based in Canada is going to give us even greater flexibility for Media Ranch to have GRB based in Los Angeles, Hollywood, as it were, will give us uh, uh, the ability to help them have a larger presence in the U.S. marketplace, which is obviously the largest one. So um, what we would like to see in terms is having, you know, a larger um, slate of programs that are on the air um, or on cable uh, uh, streaming in, in the U.S. and Canada as well as around the world. And also collaborate on other stuff than distribution. We might collaborate in co-production uh, opportunities on even format creation. You know, it will make sense to work more and more together, all the while keeping all of our relationships with other partners as well. Um, any, any other things you'd like to discuss or any other aspects of of the combination of these two businesses that people might have missed when the original announcement went out or anything that you kind of want to get across to people um, heading into MIPCOM? Well, I think it's a great story because, I mean, I can only talk for myself, but I think I'm talking for Gary as well. It is um, very, um, a human story. It's actually Gary and I discussing and then bringing our teams together and being super happy about doing this. It's a human story. Yes, it is a business uh, joint venture. Uh, yes, obviously we're, we want to make money but it just feels right to be with Gary it's super fun to work with him our teams are all good like our team like is now one team and they're all working well together and it, it is a joy and it's also a very personal and human story behind all of this business aspect and I think that's one key of our success yes and we get to you know parlay those relationships that Sophie has made independently that uh, our team has made independently and now bring them all together and we like to, you know, kind of tout it as one-stop shopping because with the combination of the catalogs and the development efforts, we we have everything. Like I said, from scripted to unscripted, we even have some animation shows now that they we're going to be offering, as well as you know all kinds of uh, uh, a greater array of programming. So our buyers 
um, are can look forward to having much more to consider when they come to meet uh, us uh, at GRB Media Ranch. U.S. art supplies giant Crayola last month announced the launch of its own content production division and a move into original TV programming. Crayola Studios is being overseen by the company's executive vice president of marketing, Victoria Lozano, and has already unveiled its first project, an adaptation of podcast The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, a co-development with Seema Zagami's Mimo Studios. The initiative's being supported by the Goatfish Agency, which was founded by former Fremantle president and general manager of kids and family entertainment Rick Glanker, with backing from Crayola's sister company Hallmark Media. Lozano spoke with Carolina Kaminska about the move, the company's ambitions in the TV space and the kinds of partners it's looking to work with. To start off, why did Crayola decide to launch Crayola Studios? Um, Well, Crayola as a company has always been powered by the very clear mission. And our mission, which has been in place for many, many years, says we are in a business of helping parents and educators raise creatively alive kids. Um, So it is very much focused on the future and on on helping raise creatively alive kids. And last year, we've actually announced um, our intent to develop content focused on inspiring and celebrating creativity um, and creative self-expression. So um, this year in the announcement of uh, Crayola Studios specifically was was really kind of the the next logical step in terms of us being clear about our commitment in this space, but also clear about our purpose. And, um, you know, and we get a lot of questions about, you know, about the connection between the studios and the content and our core business. And I'm sure we'll probably talk more about that, but that is not why. And Crayola Studios really enables us to be very clear about that mission and that intent. And so what does Crayola's experience as an art supplies company bring to the world of kids content? Well, I actually love that you asked the question that way, because that is exactly why we're entering the kids content, because we're not just an art supplies company. Um, It is true that that's how we're most well known. And and I would say probably most well known for one very specific product. (laughs) But that being said, um, our purpose and the way that we kind of look at ourselves is nurturing, is around nurturing the inherent um, creativity of kids. And um, we believe that that actually helps kids, that creativity is a life skill and that it helps kids reach their full potential in life. So we see this kind of as part of our core to our company, core to our roots and the way actually the way that the company started. But it's also kind of our purpose and our mission and our responsibility is to nurture that inherent creativity and to help kids uh, reach their full potential. You know, one of the things that we have done and the work that we have done around creativity and what we've learned in this space is that parents really value creativity. They will tell you that they believe creativity is important to society. Something like 96% of people believe that. 92% believe that creativity has lifelong benefits uh, for kids. And um, 85% are very highly motivated by this idea that creativity is a life skill um, that is critical to helping kids reach their full potential. But at the same time, while they believe all that, they're 
a lot of parents um, are really not all that well equipped to, to nurture creativity. You know, over half of parents associate creativity specifically and only with the artistic pursuits. So if you're in a certain career field or if you have certain interests, then that's a fit. Um, about two thirds believe that kids grow out of creativity. It's just something that goes away at some point. And, you know, and only have believed that they themselves are creative, but that you as a parent have to be creative in order to nurture creativity in your kids. So if you kind of just step back and you say is like, hey, if our mission is to help raise creatively alive kids, if we believe that nurturing creativity um, is, is really important and it matters to the kids' futures, then how could we not kind of take on this role of being that champion for kids, being a champion that can advocate to help parents understand what creativity is, to help inspire and to help celebrate creativity in children. And, you know, and frankly, the um, content and entertainment content specifically, because we have been in content and we've produced quite a bit of content, but the entertainment space specifically allows you to bring it to life frankly, like no other. And um, and so, so I think if you just kind of put all of it together, we really believe that it is our obligation and responsibility. But at the same time, we're also excited and we're inspired by it. And we just think we have a very unique point of view that we can bring um, into, into the world of kids content. Nice. Okay. And then can you talk about the sort of content that Creola Studios will be producing? Um, our goal is to definitely focus on broad range of products uh, across genres um, and across multiple uh, uh, different co- content touch points. So we're looking at short form, long form, theatrical, live action, animation. You know, we're committed to the space and we want the best projects. We want the best ideas, both individually, but also together as a portfolio. And um, so I think, you know, we kind of look at it as may the best content win um, and anything that focuses on inspiring and celebrating creativity for kids is is something that we will look at okay and so you mentioned live action there which is interesting because that 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 was going to be my next um question so you're not just kind of focusing in because like you said creator is more than just an, an art supply company but people do associate it with the crayons and and the, the pens and, you know, the, the coloring materials. And so you think, oh, animation, you know, fits hand in hand with that. Live action obviously doesn't. So it's quite interesting that you're also going down that route as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's again, it's really about developing a compelling slate. Um, you know, I mean, I would definitely expect that animation would probably play a bit of a heavier role within that mix. But we're really looking at anything that helps to bring that point of view and helps bring that mission to life and to and to really get the, you know, the creative self-expression to life in a way that is really unique to versus what's what's already available out there. And um, what will Crowley Studios strategy be when it comes to original content? Um, because we'll we'll come to the show you've already announced that you're adapting in, in a second. Um, and that and that is an adaptation of a known IP. So what's your strategy with originals? Will you also be looking at originals or will known IP be more of a priority? Um, again, I think we're we're going to look at a mix of things. Um, I think the original ideas will probably have a lion's share within, within the slate. But if there's existing IPs that really make sense um, that, we're, that we get excited about, we would certainly be open to considering it. And this specific project that were announced is a perfect example of that. 
So talking about the the project that you've announced, um, the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, um, tell me a little bit about that and why you decided to adapt it. So um, the Adventures of the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is an animated action comedy uh, that kind of revolves around this um, brave but also at times misguided hero, Finn Caspian, and he's got his uh, group of friends who. Um, you know, who really the idea of the show is really tapping into their creativity and bringing their creative a game to find unique solutions to the to the conundrums that find themselves as they travel the universe and sometimes have to save themselves and the universe in the process. And what was really um, kind of unique and special about this concept is that, A, as you know, it is based on a very successful podcast series, but it gives Crayola an opportunity to bring and create the visual world around this, this specific IP and kind of build on the success. And also in its core, so much of this IP really focuses on this, you know, creativity is imagination and action, right? It really focuses on a lot of the creative behaviors, exploring limited logos possibilities, you know, using um, color as a language that, you know, the, 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 this, this, uh, this concept really lends itself to that. And, um, and really kind of leaning in uh, into, you know, seeking new experiences, being curious, considering possibilities, all of these things that are considered really core tenets of creativity as creative behaviors. And um, it could be rich, colorful, um, you know, and really fun concept. So, you know, combination of all those reasons is why when we first, you know, saw the opportunity, we, we, we felt it was a really strong fit. And I will also say that we actually tested this with consumers and um, the, 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 the results and the appeal of the concept was very strong, very, very strong. But also what was really interesting and exciting is that despite a really high interest, when we actually said, hey, this concept would come from, uh, would be brought by Crayola Studios, that appeal, in 80% of consumers said it would be even more appealing if it came from Crayola Studios. So again, perfect combination. So how did Mimo Studios get involved with the series? Well, um, we've actually, we've kind of began, you know, work within the industry, obviously, much before we made the announcement. And in that process, we've been holding conversations with a number of um, incredible players in the industry. Um, Seema Zargami um, is, is obviously a highly respected industry veteran, tremendous track record. And just, um, you know, when we, when this opportunity came, came by, the opportunity for the IP itself and the opportunity to work with SEMA to develop it was we just really got excited about about that and we knew that it aligned with um, our mission and our values um, and we're just really excited to partner with Mimo Studios and SEMA in on this project. And can you talk about any of the other projects that you already have in development? Well I will say that we have a pretty robust um, and, and, and carefully planned pipeline. I had talked before about it's it's each individual project, but it's also how they work together and a compelling slate. So we're focused on there's a, a number of animation projects. There's some live action projects. It's really focused on content for kids and family. We have a number of projects where the ink is drying um, as we speak. And, um, and we will be sharing a number of them probably in the very near future. Okay. And so you've already formed a partnership with uh, Mimo Studios. 
who and, and what other types of companies is is Creola Studios hoping to partner with? Ultimately, we really want to partner first with like-minded, but and also best-in-class partners. Um, you know, we want folks who are really great at what they do, but also share the creative vision um, that we've outlined to, to help in, empower, to help inspire, to help celebrate uh, kids' creativity. And um, ultimately, we want to be able to, you know, we, we, we are want to be able to, but also are in the process of talking to producers, writers, creators, distributors. At the end of the day, you know, we are very protective of our brand. It is very special and we want to make sure that as we partner with, with these folks that we do it justice in this space. And can you talk about the structure of Crayola Studios and, and how it's structured and who is in the team? Well, as part of the, the work around Crayola Studios, we've um, we've made as a company, as an organization, as an enterprise, uh, made a long-term commitment to this effort. Um, we have a robust strategic and very clear strategic roadmap, along with a commitment to a significant investment to, to make it happen. In terms of the team, and the structure specifically, frankly, we're being practical about it um, because we want to be able to test and learn and stay flexible and nimble, um, but at the same time, grow with scale. So we are in a, we are currently leveraging uh, capabilities that we have within the enterprise, such as with, you know, with Hallmark Media, we're relevant, uh, as well as across Crayola. We're also bringing in external expertise, such as with GoFish. And, and Rick, who is a key member of the team, but it's really uh, it's really about getting the right capabilities, right expertise, staying flexible, staying nimble, and then evolving and growing with with scale. So I was going to ask you next about Goatfish Agency and Hallmark Media. Can you talk a little bit about their involvement? Um, yeah, we're again, it's really around leverage the best of capabilities that we have within the enterprise and. Um, while the entertainment uh, space is new to Crayola, uh, we do have a number of existing capabilities, whether it is within Crayola or whether it is within Hallmark Media. So we're relevant. Um, we are leaning in those. And then um, Goldfish and uh, and Rick are really on board to bring the wealth of the industry expertise and you know and really kind of um, the the kids entertainment uh, perspective to help make sure that we do this right that is compelling exciting but also fits what what we are as a brand and what we're trying to accomplish in terms of you know point of view that we're putting out in the world and um in the when when the news of the uh, Crayola Studios was announced, it said that the the company would would aim to inspire and nurture the next generation and help them develop lifelong creative mindsets. So, how does Crayola Studios intend to achieve that? So, you know, as as I mentioned before, the uh, our purpose and really kind of vision is the you know we it, it's really around nurturing the creative mindset into adulthood. It's not letting kids, you know, to just lose that creative spark because they are inherently creative. They're inherently not bound by all the restrictions that we sort of learn as adults as we as we grow in age and really kind of inspiring, nurturing, celebrating that creative spirit helps kids stay creative, helps kids 
not learn some of those behaviors that sometimes become a barrier to natural creativity. And um, we know that there is a significant amount of empirical research, some of it quite actually longitudinal in nature, that talks about creativity being critical to future potential. So if we can inspire, if we can nurture, if we can celebrate, and if we can help kids retain that creative spirit into adulthood, we believe that we actually make a pretty significant difference in the world, Um, not only helping kids live more more curious more fulfilled lives but frankly kind of nurturing the the impact and the difference they can make in the world and over the next let's say three years as an example where do you hope that Creola Studios will be? I think, as I mentioned, our commitment to this space is um, is is long term. So for us, it's really about making a mark and making a significant um, statement within the industry. We want to have um, a slate of uh, content out there. We want things that are exciting, that are engaging for kids. We want uh, content that parents feel um, really good about their kids watching and engaging with and again and we want uh, we want to we want a range uh, short form long form theatrical we want multiple and really varied ways of engaging entertaining but also getting that uh, point of view in the world to help celebrate and nurture the, the the natural creativity that kids are born with Founded in 1994, Yellow Film and TV claims to be the largest independent studio in the Nordics, behind shows such as Thriller Arctic Circle and entertainment format Song of My Life, both for YLE. The Finnish company last month hired former MTV OI executive Jani Hartikonen as chief content officer as it continues to build out its production team despite a challenging economic environment. Yellow Chief Executive Oli Heiker spoke to Michael Pickard about how the business is navigating testing times at home and abroad, building its Irish production partnership and preparing for its 30th anniversary. Uh, my name is Oli Heike and I'm the CEO and the former CCO for Yellow Film and TV. We are a studio based from uh, based in Helsinki and, and Dublin and, and we've been for quite for many, many years, the biggest production company or the biggest mini studio here in Finland. And and I would believe that we are one of the biggest uh, or maybe the biggest independent production company in the Nordic region at the moment. And we do feature films, uh, scripted television and some non-scripted television. So and on a yearly basis, we have an output on approximately 15 titles, including feature films and scripted series and some non-scripted Fantastic. What, what's what's sort of been top of your list so far this year? What what have you released or, or what have you been working on? Well, we are constantly working on new projects. And from my position, I wouldn't like to say what is the top of the list. I, you know, all the projects, uh, I love all the projects and are, they are equally as important. Uh, we're premiering uh, a feature film here in Finland in the end of September, uh, a biopic about uh, the most uh, successful film producer in Finnish film history. It's a domestic release, but we believe it's going to be pretty big. And at the moment, we just started shooting a new kind of a like a comical crime series called Crime on Your Mind, uh, which is something very exciting. We're doing it together with Media 
one in, in France. So we have quite a bit of, of new titles and also returning old series. And so, I mean, how would you sort of assess you know, maybe the Finnish industry and, and your role from what you're seeing in the global industry at the moment? If everyone seems to be having a bit of a tough time. Um, how are things with you at the moment? Well, I mean, w- w- unfortunately, we are not separate from the global industry and we are part of it. So naturally, we need to react also to, to, to everything what is happening domestically and internationally also. I would say that at the moment, uh, the Finnish industry has have, have been doing really well for many, many, many years. At the moment, there's a, quite a few of streaming platforms. We saw the first merger here, in a, uh, which is like Rule to Plus and Eliza Entertainment did a merger. There will be some effects. MTV3, which has traditionally been the biggest player, is doing some layoffs, rethinking their strategy in in, in overall. So we're seeing quite a bit of changes here in the Finnish uh, market space. Then internationally, of course, from our perspective, uh, the strikes in the U.S. have affected us quite a bit, surprisingly much, and uh, meaning that we have had to postpone some of our projects because of the strikes and and, and writer strikes and actor strikes. So that is something which, which has affected us. But coming from Finland, and now kind of being an Irish-Finnish production company. So we are also seeing lots of appetite for the stuff we are producing and developing. So I would say that in, from our perspective, very, very exciting times. Uh, we're continuing with the with our growth path uh, on a yearly, on a fiscal basis. So we're going forward, but of course, the budgets are tight as always. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you mentioned some, some changes in the local market. I mean, how, how is that affecting the work you're doing? Are you are, are there fewer commissions that you can all fight for or is the money going down and how are you kind of making sure you, you stay on that upward trajectory while things around you are maybe condensing a little bit? Well, remains to be seen. Uh, if I, I observe, so we are active in feature films, which means that we pretty much know what we're doing 24 already producing. Then, of course, in fiction also, it, it's a marathon. So we pretty much know what we're doing 24. In non-scripted, we have 24 pretty much set already there might be some small changes so we're looking at at the moment at 2025 so remains to be seen but of course in our case we have very much returning series and also we have our our feature film franchises which means that we're doing lots of sequels also so uh remains to be seen but of course it will affect and and uh something which has been very important for us is as always traditionally being that we have a solid uh platform and like a seed financing from our own territory. Doesn't matter even if it's English language content. So we still have our, our dear and, and and close partners here financing, seed financing. I mean, and it sounds like you've got a great sort of foundation then, like you say, of returning series. Are you finding that those are uh, being recommissioned perhaps at the expense of, of new commissions, you know, for you and your rivals? Well, no, most likely, yes. Yeah, that, that I think that that's what's happening. I don't think we're going to see that many new titles. That is what is happening yeah so uh and, and do you see I, I think where scripted is is challenged perhaps that's opportunity for unscripted reality game shows formats is that something you're seeing as well in finland and something you're maybe trying to take advantage of uh 
absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and in our company, we have been always, we have a, have had a, a pr- pretty innovative output of entertainment programs. And at the moment, we have the two biggest entertainment programs in this country, uh, Putos and, and The Song of Your Life, which are the two biggest titles overall. Uh, we have some other titles also, and, and uh, like you might be, might be aware, so actually yesterday started the formal development and drama, head of drama from MTV3, which is a, the biggest broadcaster. So he started as, as our chief creative officer. And of course, he's coming pretty much also into that landscape, thinking about what can we offer in the non-scripted space. But I think, uh, I believe we have at the moment already quite many titles to that space. So, so far, so good. Yeah. And it, it sounds like you're, you're doing well. Obviously, you mentioned there you've appointed a few people, haven't you, uh, sort of to expand Yellow's um, output. I mean, tell us a bit about Yanni uh, Hartikainen, who you mentioned there from MTV3 is, is, I guess, the big name of the recent hires you've done, but you've also hired a few sort of junior producers. Yeah, domestically, yes. And and at the moment, we are... we are hiring people who are Irish office to Dublin. So so that's something which is ongoing at the moment. Yeah, Yanni, Yanni is a very, very highly respected figure in, in the Finnish TV business. He's been in film distribution and he's been commissioning uh, drama, uh, non-scripted. He's been in development. So and also he's been involved facilitating uh, co-productions, big ones, smaller ones. So his art intel is very, very welcome also in into the company and and he's already somewhere there packaging stuff up so you're, you're obviously very confident at the moment then to to expand in this way what what will yani bring to you or or what will his role be in expanding your slate or or the new direction of the company i would say that what he's concentrating on is the domestic market and keep mm-hmm. our market share here so kind of he's looking at 2025 and also from our perspective on us on, on this market we need to know our clients we need to understand what they need and we need to understand that very very profoundly so that you know our offerings our, our content offerings will match their needs and that's something where you can never be good enough. So that is something what we are figuring out here at the moment. We have some products, shows, which we also want to expand. We want to utilize them better. And so that's what kind of Yanni is bringing to the table. Also, he has a very, very uh, long and good experience in Nordic co-production. So that's also something, you know, where, where the ma- market intel is very, very welcome. And everything is about talent and about people. And he's been an, in a position position where he has a very, very good idea also about all the talent on the market and, and who is accessible and, and who is not. So I think he will bring a good business perspective and fresh perspective into the company together with some all the other hires. And, you know, you talked about what the broadcasters are looking for at the moment. What, what are they telling you? What are the things that they want generally? Or are they sort of talking a bit about their own strategy to you? What, what's sort of the mood among the broadcasters at the moment? I would would say that the broadcasters and the streaming platforms, the domestic ones here, are all in some kind of change. So they are figuring out their new strategies at the moment. They have made 
maybe some some changes uh, but like the, the like the free to air commercial television is dropping in Finland as it is all over and that is affecting a little bit the commissioning also what kind of scripted stuff they are commissioning and you know for example in, in comedy series are they serialized are they procedurals that that kind of stuff but it's a it would be a longer conversation but I would say that most of the the, the companies are at the moment in a, some kind of changing phase at uh, the public growth faster Wiley is it looks like their strategy is still the same and they are very solidly going forward and from my perspective I can see them them putting much more weight now on the script processes they are longer and they are more profound mm-hmm. and it's good and bad the good is that we will probably see better quality uh, the bad thing is that I don't know how many companies can survive really long processes so it remains to be seen also yeah no absolutely and so that's your the, the domestic outlook how are you sort of seeing things internationally because I mean I guess just on a basic level how do you see Finnish content at the moment traveling is it is it very buoyant we know Scandinavian product generally is very popular how do you see Finland's little slice of that and and how is that going to change going forward do you think well good question once again I have to be politically correct here now (laughs) which isn't typical for me or for Finns but I I would say that the Finnish content is, is moving around better than ever so we can see some appetite at the moment and we can see some small success nothing big nothing remarkable but we can see for example in i would say that all of our shows at the moment have an international financing element i don't think we've done even any comedies anymore that we so we have a part we have have some pre-sales or and we have a distributor or a sales company on board so that is something which didn't exist like five years ago but at the moment uh, the results are still very modest and the price level are not that high at the moment but we are seeing clear revenues already and we are seeing appetite and we are seeing i wouldn't say enthusiasm but i don't know what the word would we would a little bit mellow more mellow than than enthusiasm but we, we kind of see that and now from our perspective of course and we continue doing what we do here domestically doing co-productions with sweden and, and and germany as we've been doing so far working very closely with some french uh, sales companies also uh, from from the Finnish perspective but now when we we added the element of Ireland some time ago so now we are working very very closely with Ireland and uh, we are kind of you know maybe utilizing our Finnish based studio all our resources which we we can invest and, and and allocate with Irish UK US talent so that's kind of like in in the short what we are doing at the moment and we are uh, getting next year already the first fruits of this love affair out to the public domain so let let's see but we are we are enthusiastic enthusiastic about it and also kind of the price level the budgets are substantially higher naturally in the english language content meaning that we can tell stories uh, in a way we wouldn't be able to do it in 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 a finnish language which as creators and 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 filmmakers and, and 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 storytellers is super exciting and so so that is part of the reason why we we are kind of building this irish finnish entity at the moment for people maybe who who aren't familiar with your work uh, in Ireland and the partnership you've built there, I mean, can you just tell us the background to that and and who you're working with there? Yeah, so so uh, we 
bought a, a company called New Grange Pictures, which is uh, run by Jackie Larkin. Jackie is a very experienced and very insightful producer, worked for J.K. Rowling. She did the Strike series, etc. Uh, and and so we aligned ourselves with her and, and kind of transformed New Grange Pictures into an entity of Yellow Film and TV. And after that, we have been doing some hirings and we are hiring at the moment. So we are bu- building building the company as an essential part of the growth of Yellow Film and TV based here in Finland. Yeah. And, and what was it that led you to, to Jackie? Was it a personal relationship? Was it the, the Irish uh, industry there that you saw some natural um, yeah. you know, comparisons with Finland? What, you know, how did you build that partnership? Uh, I knew Jackie and we had co-produced something together maybe, I, I think it was maybe 10 years ago or something and, and I think, you know, we both felt good about the, the working together and about the creative process and, and the financing process and also the execution. Uh, Jackie has a background also as a hands-on producer and so do I and so do actually most of the people at Yellow have, have the background in actual physical filmmaking and creation and writing. So, so we felt good about it she's been working in london for quite a bit and also something what we have been looking for actually a long time already is the irish market because coming from finland where the budgets are a little bit smaller uh, i have to add as a side note that we we get a lot with the money kind of the production value which which is always fun to hear when when the french and the germans and the you know americans come over here they can't believe what they can actually achieve with a dollar so that's great but uh, the budgets and the price levels, the salaries are very similar in Ireland and Finland. So co-producing together, which we are doing Irish Finnish shows also, is very, very natural. It's very, very organic. And of course, Irish and Finnish people are quite a bit similar also. So so there is a sense of humor. But but after all, I, I we felt that for us, Ireland is a very natural and a very, very interesting gate into the English language market. And now we've been working this approximately for a year and it looks very good. I think we have achieved already all of our goals. We are going kind of forward into production, which is always great and proof of concept. And also it has been for the marketplace an exciting combination Ireland-Finland, which we haven't seen before. And and actually the team calls itself Fireland. (laughs) All the WhatsApp groups and everything is always Fireland. Yeah. And you teased um, that perhaps we'll start, you know, you're into production or going into production. Can you tell us about any of the projects that you're working on with Jackie? Uh, at the moment, there's a, a Finnish uh, Irish crime series shot in Dublin and, and Lapland. Uh, then we have a remake, a Finnish hit series remake in Ireland in English language, which we're going forward. And then we have a three feature films, which are kind of UK, US feature films, Slate moving forward. So that's kind of and some other stuff, but these are the concrete concrete ones here. So exciting times. And you mentioned, you know, when you're working internationally now, you're looking at pre-sales and, and obviously distributors are playing their part. How are you seeing those kind of deals change when money is perhaps harder to come by? Are you having to be more creative in the way you're financing these projects? Well, um, we have had to be in, in kind of coming from Finland. So we have always been super creative of, of financing and the typical model for for us has been for a very, very long time already, co-productions and pre-sales. So kind of what we do as a mini studio, so we develop, finance, pre-sell and produce, co-produce ourselves. And the more uh, more and 
more, I would say, more important for us is, uh, is the pre-sales at the moment. And we have Riku Rihilahti, who's our head of, of, of sales. So kind of that is something which is growing for us. And I, I would say that we did last year the record of pre-sales. And I think we did 14 pre-sales last year, which is for our company a lot. And five years ago, we never did any pre-sales, maybe, and, and most of it was. So we're kind of combining these as co-productions, pre-sales, and in some cases, even we have equity parts. But but what, so far, mostly been, we, we have been working also with with traditional models. I mean, we work with the streamers naturally, but, but most of the volume comes from traditional models. But we are open and our kind of our philosophy in the company in, our, in Dublin and, and Helsinki is always that we need to have different sizes of projects at the same time going on. We have the bigger ones, which the turnout is much, much slower. Then we have the mid-size, where the turnaround is reasonable. And then we have faster stuff, comedies, etc., which kind of mini-series, which where the turn turnaround is a little bit faster. So that's kind of how, how we have built kind of the, the, the studio here in the Nordics always, that we, we always value that we have lots of partners, lots of clients. We call produce with different companies who share the same kind of worldview or same values so in a way we're always collaborating to all different directions and and so far i mean the company is turning 30 next year so so far we haven't screwed up everything <laughs> Um, I mean, when you're going into these co-productions, I think, you know, I, I assume you're obviously selling your projects to your partners. I mean, we would know you perhaps best for, for Arctic Circle. And, and I know 66 North Precinct came out, um, I think, last year. We, I think that was at Content London, if I remember correctly. We sort of saw a big banner for it somewhere. Um, I mean, how would you describe what the kind of projects you make are, are like? Do they have a, a certain genre leaning or style to them or, or a proof of concept in terms of characters or the way you like to tell these stories? Yeah, well, I would say that, of course, we do quite a bit of titles, so there are always ex exceptions. But I would say, I would say that uh, kind of inside when we're discussing the project, so we want the kind of storytelling was a way to store knowledge you know in the ancient times so in a way i think we feel that there should be a combination like yellow in the big picture we always offer escapism so so that's kind of what we do but also when when as we all know the world is a pretty complex place at the moment so kind of we want to also offer in our comedies or drama comedies or whatever kind of we want to structure a little bit the world and you know observe a little bit you you know what's going on and offer you know something beside the escapes so that's what we do so you know the, very often the commissioners and the financiers say that don't do it too smart i mean a lot of <laughs> producers have heard this and and that's what we hear and i don't think we've gone that direction too much but we still want you know it, we always want our shows to have a huge heart a big heart and kind of the life what we live as individuals most of us here in this company is full of fun 
fun, craziness, uh, all kinds of. So that's kind of how we, we want to create shows. And we are interested in shows and we attach ourselves in co-productions, which kind of portray life in an interesting new angle. And I know this sounds like a cliche uh, for sure, but I'm kind of that that's that's how we are. We are looking at stuff and kind of most of the stuff what we do domestically and now also kind of what we expanded and how we're scaling it to Ireland and to the English language is crime and comedy or crime comedies or comedy crimes. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the pretty much the landscape where we are at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And then as you come up to celebrate your kind of 30th anniversary of the company, uh, congratulations, by the way. Um, I mean, when you look back on the last three decades, I mean, uh, what would you say perhaps are the, the biggest shifts in the industry that you've seen or the biggest advancements perhaps that have affected the way business is done a lot of people are obviously looking to the future at the moment and talking about ai and and how the industry is going to be changing you know um, you know changing in unforeseen ways over the next five years how do you look back on the last 30 and think wow you know we we overcame that or that was you know we didn't see that coming good question and i don't think i can add anything which everybody who's following the trades wouldn't already know but after saying that so i remember like a long time ago already when i had some friends or colleagues who i met with once a year in Cannes or in london or wherever and every year when we met we started the conversation interesting times very interesting times so going back in 30 years there's been of course the bigger swift uh, regarding um, the streaming services the the increase of, of, of commissioning drama series all of that like obvious stuff so i would say that that but otherwise i think the injury every year has changed during the you know 30 years or 20 years we're always kind of you know and and we're always very surprised about the ups and downs of the market and 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 the strikes and everything which so i would say that we are in a marketplace where we you know this is also a cliche but so true that we just need to prepare ourselves and and, and be ready for big changes big you know mergers uh this industry is changing every second every minute the entire time and kind of you know we know that the, the streamers or the commissioners say that what they are looking for and then everything changes the market changes the the appetite changes the algorithms change that's the business so you know I won't get into kind of the, the big changes because there's been so many changes and the huge ones are kind of obvious. And and just then, you know, as you look ahead to the next 30 years, I mean, what, what are some of the things that you're thinking about, whether it's something like AI that could have huge ramifications globally or are there more pressing issues locally that you're kind of thinking about over the next sort of few years? Well, at the moment, of course, we are looking and, and, and we have in our, our studio, we have a person who is in investigating that's his job to investigate everything which has to has to do with AI and how could we utilize that and how, how could we use that and of course we are doing some tests tests already both on the script side and also kind of thinking that what what comes after green screen that's kind of like a you know that's a question which been essential for five the past five years uh, we are thinking naturally of, of technical solutions and so we we have ourselves a, a big post-production facility which is actually the biggest in Finland so we are are kind of testing and 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 also doing some in research there uh, in the other hand uh, of course we are 
we haven't done that much and or actually testing on on the on the script style but also that's it's interesting at least to say say, say the least uh, at the moment we are very much looking at our integration with our Irish company and kind of how, how we will integrate the the development and how should we go forward so that's something which is exciting and at the moment that takes a lot of space of all of our our time we naturally have to believe that there is appetite for good stories and uh, something which is encouraging is that there is risk taking still there is space for trying new stuff and and pushing the envelope and of course from our perspective we are looking for bigger and bigger productions meaning that the reach would be bigger on a global scale and also something which we find very encouraging is that the Finnish kind of you know locations vendors everything is growing really fast so this is also a great place to to shoot and film and naturally we're here and we're local so it's a huge benefit for us so we are also beside the fact that we of course we have in development and we're going forward with solely english language content located in the us uk or or ireland then we have the co-production models which we are going forward with which might be multi-language stuff but the, the stuff which can be shot in finland and somewhere else or finland portraying something else that becomes more and more relevant and and realistic day after day and 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 we have to understand also that this wasn't the case five years ago so now this has become an interesting place to come and shoot Oli Heike speaking with Michael Pickard that's all for this episode but you can hear more interviews by tuning in to our C21 FM internet radio station from Monday the podcast will be back next Friday in the meantime stay up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online on mobile and social media my name's Jonathan Webdale Thanks for listening.